have been really excited to do this episode. It's our introduction to the audience of entrepreneurs and professional marketers and creatives that probably know a little bit about cryptocurrency. Everybody's heard of Bitcoin, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, they probably considered getting into it and didn't, right? That's probably the most common story. And I can put myself in that bucket. And now you could pretty safely say that there's a huge revolution going on and most people are missing it. So we have the opportunity today to speak to a couple of guys that are part of the team of founders that are not missing it. And that not only that, they're ushering the normal folks like you, dear listeners, uh, into this era. And uh, there is a huge opportunity. And I'm obviously not the expert, which is why I have them. So thank you for joining us. What is the DNA of business marketing? How do we market ourselves now and in the future? Brand communications is evolving. Are you? Let's explore together. Spiral upwards. This is Spiral Marketing. And welcome, Xander E. and uh, Josh Hafferty. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure, guys. Well, cryptocurrency. How do you feel about the definition for cryptocurrency these days? Is it a shifting target? How do you define it? That's a good question. Cryptocurrency, to me, kind of rings home to the maybe the original intent of uh, and, and as a subset of blockchain technology. But cryptocurrency now can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You have like three kind of words that are thrown around. Uh, crypto, cryptocurrency, and then blockchain or, or blockchain technology. So, so cryptocurrency to the layman probably means uh, any of these digital assets that people are carrying around or, or throwing around on the blockchain. Interesting. And uh, for those who don't know, and those who think they know, but probably don't, what would, how would you define the blockchain? So the blockchain is a distributed ledger that has some sort of consensus algorithm to process and add blocks to it, mostly via transactions or the consensus algorithm sort of having a predefined time limit of when to add another block. But the block is just a, a basic uh, chunk of data. And the blockchain is a distributed ledger and or database that everyone has to give consent to to move forward. And if there isn't a mass consensus among everyone that is holding the blockchain, it doesn't work right. And so when you have consensus among the entire blockchain, what that means is you can't fool the blockchain. That's where you hear the, the trustless word come from. Trustless. Trustless. It means that the blockchain is doing or can do uh, database work or financial work without requiring any sort of trust because it, it, it's an automated process that happens. And you don't need a third-party institution like a bank or somebody to trust to be able to carry out that action. And therein lies the magic, right? That, yep. That's what's innovative and so different about it is that there's perfect visibility yep. and that endless chain of visibility. Yep. Beautiful, yes, you're right. We will definitely get deeper into that. Uh, okay, 
So want to get to know you guys a little bit better. Uh-huh. Uh, haven't even called out your titles yet. So if you guys have titles, right? Not just co-founders. Yep. Yeah, I am uh, the president of the blockchain. Mm-hmm. That's oh, just the, the joke. Blockchain. Uh, I'm, I'm a CEO and founder. Um, and my role is currently CFO. CFO, excellent. Okay. And uh, how did you guys get here? What led you to this part of the blockchain? Well, because cryptocurrency investment is such in its infancy, a lot of the methods by which people share information is really social. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, specific communities within like WhatsApp or Telegram, Signal, things like that, where people kind of get together and they can, they literally, people will advertise chat groups on the internet and people join them and they talk uh, and they share investment advice. A lot of, we'll get into initial coin offerings or, or digital asset offerings a little bit later, I'm sure. But a lot of the kind of investment advice and kind of comes from from chat groups. And we were part of, of a chat group and that started last spring. And coincidentally, this chat group consists of people all across the world. Coincidentally, Xander happened to live 10 minutes away from it. Wow. And so, awesome. yeah, so we, uh, we, we met up and we... Um, you know, became really good friends right away. And then I kind of started wanting to leveraging, um, Xander's like a really brilliant investor and he's really, really good uh, with that way. And I think he was, um, he was going after the financial freedom aspects of what cryptocurrency can do from like an investment standpoint. I was saving up for an engagement ring among all this other stuff. And and I knew it was going to be harder for me to kind of reach my goals through investments alone. So I wanted, I kind of realized that, hey, this is like an emerging industry. You'll hear a lot of, you know, correlation to like the dot-com boom and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And regardless of if blockchain technology and cryptocurrency investing is is a bubble as yet to be determined, but blockchain technology is definitely here to stay. And there's going to be a service industry revolved around creating and supporting products that are in existence. So I was kind of like, oh, like, um, I've kind of always wanted to be a business owner and I've always been pretty entrepreneurial, but the barrier to kind of get into it in the typical fashions is just high, right? I mean, to it's not really high when you think about it and, and, and everything, but like my professional experience is in contracting and doing software development for the government. Okay. And there's so much networking involved there to get into, to open my own software development you know, company you have to network for a really long time. You have to like know the right people. Um, you have to have to win awards uh, and contracts. You have to have like a really strong background. And it's just kind of hard to get into. Right. Cryptocurrency and, and blockchain companies are still so young that the barrier to make the jump is a lot less risky to actually create a business. And it's a lot easier to find specific things that you can do for the industry. So we started looking at problems that, that we were having as investors ourselves. And then it's like, Hey, we could like, we could fix all this. And so the two of us, and then two of our other founders, uh, Alex and Andy came together and they have development experience. Xander has a, a lawyer background and I have, uh, you know, project management and software development background. So we all kind of came together and we had like really just the roles fit perfectly. And it just kind of started from there. And we, we had like one little product and then, didn't really see a future with that product. So then we kind of pivoted to, to the company that we are now. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, 
I have a few things that I want to highlight in that. But before I do, Xander, do you feel like your answer would be pretty similar? Did your path leading you here feel the same way? Or exactly. I mean, we start out as investors and basically we, I think all thought to ourselves, we really want to use what we're trying to make. And we were just, I'm still kind of amazed that what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish doesn't already exist. And there's a huge hole in the uh, cryptocurrency investment space that we're trying to fill. So I think our goal was basically if we would use it, if our mothers would use it and no one else is doing it, why aren't we moving forward with this idea? So that's pretty much what's led us here. Love it. We, we have this really interesting, or I have this kind of interesting perspective on this. And I think that, you know, if you end up following us listeners, you'll watch me give my real first public presentation uh, in Dubai that is uh, giving me lots of anxiety. But I've been thinking about like past events and, and everything. Like there's a lot of thought going into it of like, you know, is this, is this a dot-com bubble? How can we utilize ourselves and our familiar uh, area with the, with the technology to kind of build something that's sustainable. And I kind of came back to a presentation that Steve Jobs made in 2007. And you want to take a guess about what that presentation was for? I'm thinking that it's iTunes. Well, iPhone. It's iPhone. Yeah. yeah. And, and so in marketing, the iPhone in that presentation, he started out by kind of getting the audience all excited by saying, hey, we're going to we're going to uh, unveil three new top-of-the-line products today. There's uh, a mobile phone, an iPod, and, and, and an, another internet device. And so people are like, oh, that's crazy. Like, we're like, we're, we're, there's a three-product show here. And then he said, it's not three products, it's one product. He kept saying, a mobile phone, an iPod, and an internet device. And he used this graphic that uh, the two axes were functionality and ease of use. And at that time, there were highly functional, quote unquote, smartphones mm -hmm. that were allowing email capability and all this stuff, but they weren't really easy to use. Right. And they were kind of getting harder to use. They were getting more technical, uh, more advanced. But that tipping point to then take a product like that and make it easy to use and consume, it hadn't happened. And so the whole revolution with the iPhone, love it or hate it, was that it was that first uh, product that sort of brought ease of use to the functionality, bridged the gap, and then bam, you have this new segment of products that, that kind of champions that. And I think we're at a very similar space right now with blockchain. You know, it started with Bitcoin and then, you know, Ethereum, and there's all these other currencies and technologies that are coming out, but they're very small and segmented, and they, they tend to do more highly technical things than their predecessors, or, you know, people are doing like advanced AI machine learning, and while that stuff is, is really innovative and great, if you don't have a, um, a series of products on the market that can actually leverage it for an everyday consumer, um, what does it mean? Why is it there? Uh, and so what we looked at, and some of the inspiration, uh, some of the early inspiration for us was actually Apple. But when we looked at it, it's like, hey, we, we, are, we are at this tipping point where we can take all this technology that exists and we can lump it into a really easy to consume package and nobody's doing it. Everyone's still focused on like, how do I get more technical? Let me get more technical. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of, I guess to, to summarize a bit, that's kind of what some of the passion has been too. And, and really, really looking at like building that bridge and, and jumping that gap to ease of use is 
one of our biggest aspirations to produce products that do that. You sold me on cryptocurrency, so I've been dabbling a little bit, and I, I'm already excited. I mean, you mentioned the dot-com boom. You will meet people that are realistically saying this is like the new internet. Right. The new internet is coming. We can vote on this with this technology and probably should be, we can be tracking all kinds of records and probably should be, and you probably all, I'm sure, have more information on that. But all of that brings me to the next question. What is CryptoCurve? Well, CryptoCurve is basically going to be your front-end experience into blockchain technology. We're using the term CryptoCurve or the Curve Wallet. Our product name is actually the Curve Wallet. It is the browser to blockchain. So if the blockchain is HTTPS or HTTP uh, internet protocoling, it doesn't mean anything if you don't have a browser to it. CryptoCurve's Curve Wallet is the front-end user interface that you'll be able to use to pretty much completely manage your digital assets from a financial perspective. So everything from buying to selling to trading to investing in digital asset offerings to pooling money together for certain things, you'll be able to do all that in one product instead of currently you kind of use a wide array of products to kind of do those tasks. And we're picking up so much steam. There's a lot of partnership talk happening and we're working with WanChain to like do some really exciting things. WanChain is, is a blockchain. So we're kind of, you know, hoping to build our platform on top of WanChain, which is an interoperability blockchain. And it offers a lot of exciting things. What are you excited about? The fact that like interoperability comes into play there. What is and interoperability? So currently, man, I feel like I'm, I'm just echoing at this point. Not you, but other stuff that we've seen. But currently, blockchains are typically independent. And they don't talk to each other. They can't share information or assets. So when you take an interoperability blockchain and you can sort of weave all of these other chains together, the internet internet analogy is a good one there. Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and all these other, you know, Ripple, they're all intranets, you know, small inside networks. And then when you have an interoperability protocol, you can kind of create an internet, all of the blockchains. I see. So... If you had to come up with a metaphor to summarize what you expect Curve Wallet to be like, what would it be? Would it be like it's the online bill pay, it's the iTunes, it's the Ameritrade, it's the stock market brokerage? So yeah, so some of the inspiration did come from like, I've long been learning and investing in typical assets. And it is kind of like that the TD Ameritrade app. It's like the, hey... I can do all this stuff. And TD Ameritrade isn't the exchange. They're just kind of the middleman that puts a user interface on accessing the exchange. That's kind of exactly what some of what we're going for is. Love it. Putting a little bit of context on that, I asked your investor, what's your expectation for the product? And he said, I'm expecting to this come pre-installed on computers moving forward. Our big dream is literally when you go pick up your Android phone or iPhone from any of these wonderful cell phone providers that it does have the Curve Wallet on. And that may seem really, really ambitious to the listeners, and it is ambitious, but we are so passionate about what 
blockchain and cryptocurrencies are going to do for the world that it's a mission worth chasing. It really is. And if you look at how small the world got after the rise of the internet from an information sharing perspective, what blockchain is doing is shrinking the world in a new paradigm with like financial access. So it's already doing it, but it will continue to shrink the world from a financial perspective, just like the internet did from an information sharing perspective. Why is that? Can you summarize that? It may actually, it's quite easy to explain, but since cryptocurrencies are decentralized, which feel free to ask about, there's not a central authority issuing them. No governing body. No governing body. Mm -hmm. And so a Bitcoin or an Ether is the same price here as it is in Africa. So if I needed to help out somebody in like a disenfranchised area that didn't have access to a typical financial market, blockchain allows that transaction to happen. And so you don't have to like wiring money from bank to bank, dealing with currency exchanges and all that stuff. It goes away. Beautiful. What's the current state of the market? As of today, it's been on a two or three month downtrend. And what time is it? <laughs> it's pretty much uh, since the end of December. Uh, okay. There was a huge bull run where... Um, the uh, overall market cap of cryptocurrencies almost reached $1 trillion. And right now it's around, I believe, $350 billion. I mean, compared to last year, it's still a lot, but there's a lot of different processes in play. But one reason for that could be there's a lot of government regulation, global government regulation going on at the moment, discussions of that. Also, people have just made a lot of money right. investing in all of these different cryptocurrencies and they're either cashing out, securing profits. So a lot of that is in play. But despite the price, the uh, actual technology behind cryptocurrency and blockchain is just obviously it's better than ever. The technology, sure. And there's, yeah, and there's a lot of... Thank you. That's interesting. There's a lot of technologies that are on the cusp that are you know going to continue to push it. This is kind of why I wanted to leverage our very talented team into providing products because... We don't have to, like, this is bad to say, but I haven't looked at my investment portfolio, like, in a while. It's like, I'm so focused on delivering the curve wallet and what that means, like, for the world, that my dinky little portfolio doesn't mean much right now. So there's a lot. You're trying to build a portfolio of portfolios. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot of great companies that are really starting to do great things. and, And a lot of the space has been young, and I think... You know, when it started, blockchain companies were very informal. It does get compared to the wild, wild west very often for good reason. <laughs> we'll have to make sure that that edit is on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll put that on loop. Crypto curve. It's being taken very seriously now. Just like there are people all over the world. There's millions of people all over the world that perspectives are changing just like yours is. It's like, hey, I know about Bitcoin. doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't impact my life at all. But as you started to learn, you started to see, oh, wow, there's stuff here. And that's actually attracting a lot of very experienced professionals into the field. And I think like over the next year, what kind of what my theories is, is that you'll see a lot more stability with the fundraising environment and how that happens. You, and you'll see a lot less comparison to Wild Wild West. <laughs> uh, uh, on down. And so I think I think that'll help. I think that'll help the overall outlook for the market. 
that's I think one of the, the big trends that we'll see throughout 2018. Okay. So I'm excited and I'm sure obviously you guys are excited and passionate about this, but as a new investor and dabbler in the space, you can get your head around how different this feels and how new it is and how major shifts can occur in such a nascent market that you can really just feel the opportunity. It's very exciting. Do you have any numbers or a feel for how big the universe of the market is right now? Like, are we talking about hundreds of thousands of users? So we know that Coinbase, which is the largest kind of exchange where you can spend fiat currency and buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, or uh, Litecoin, or Bitcoin Cash, we know that that website and platform has like 10 million unique users. I'm almost positive. Let's talk about the current and how people can benefit from what's happening right now. How can people benefit from the current trends? What's path of least resistance? There is a very speculative investment sort of way of thinking about it. And that's what a lot of people do. I'm not endorsing that at all. But your users and investors are going to come on board. They're going to buy something typically without doing a whole lot of research. And they're going to hope and pray that it moons. What that means is, if anybody doesn't know that, you know, your coin, your investment is going to go to the moon. Uh, it's kind of a crypto meme. So that is a very large aspect of like what people are doing in the space. I don't necessarily think it's the healthiest way to do things. I think that what you can really do is get on board with forums and medium blog posts get familiar with like the projects and the teams and try to find projects that you like and then make an investment if you think that that product is actually worth using. And nine times out of 10, what you'll find is if you can do that research, the product probably is worth using and you can get on board. And then if you like the aspect of what a decentralized currency can do for the world or decentralized platforms, because some of them aren't just currencies, if you like that, then you have access to that platform, whether or not you're going to make money on it. So, you know, the platforms are starting to be released where the reason why the token exists, like for in, in our instance, even if the curve token doesn't ever increase in value, it gets you access to our platform and you can play around in the blockchain ecosystem and that has its benefits. Can you give a really concise definition of a token? Yes. A token is a digital asset residing on a specific blockchain. It's probably better to describe them as digital assets, and I'm sure that somebody has actually written a very good definition of what the differences are between my coins or tokens. But basically, we want to focus on using the term digital asset. And what that means is it's the underlying asset behind that blockchain. So is it often comparable to a stock? It can be, yeah. And the SEC will say, you bet your ass. <laughs> uh, it's too comparable. Yes. They do have... Those SEC people, they do like to curse, huh? Yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and sometimes us at them. They do have a lot of qualities similar to stocks. The price of the tokens are a good way to... Can be a good way to measure the health of the company, how actively they're traded, how many people hold, like how many unique addresses hold the tokens. 
it can tell you how many actual people have the tokens and are using it. So you can kind of gauge a bit of the health of the company with some of those metrics. It can be very similar to a stock. Very cool. So uh, your tip is do your research, make sure that there's legitimacy to the company and project that you're considering investing in. And do research on Medium, do research in the chat groups, Reddit. Okay. And in terms of risk assessment, I know this is not exactly your profession, but if somebody says, yeah, I want, I want to be all in, I want to invest, how would you even guide them towards making intelligent decisions? So in the case of that person, I probably wouldn't guide them to making an intelligent decision. I'd probably just advise them to give all their money to us. <laughs> Fair. No, seriously, I'll do a little bit more of a pitch here. One of the things that we're actually trying to do is be a legitimate company. And one of the ways that we think that we can do that is actually to bring a little trust into the space. And I think we're in a unique position to do that because we talked before about what makes a trustless currency so great and a trustless distributed ledger. And it's the fact that it really can't be compromised. So a company like us, we aren't a blockchain. We aren't the medium of or the underlying foundation or protocol of the assets being exchanged. So one of the things we want to do is actually bring a little bit of trust to the surface and to our product. And we want to stand behind our product. And we want to have things like insurance, customer support, all of those things that will actually give people peace of mind. Because you'll find that there's a lot of complications with just getting into the space in the first place. There's a lot of technical avenues that you have to learn before you can even do it. It's not just like opening a bank account. And one of the things we want to do is utilize trustless blockchains on the back end with a customer facing front end that if, if something happens and you lose your password or your account information or something like that, you know that you can call CryptoCurve and it'll be handled, it'll be taken care of just like a bank. The good thing is you don't have to rely on us to actually make the transaction or do the back end is still trustless but there is that friendly face on the front end that can help you out. I don't know why I circled into that, but we do want to bring some trust in into it. So about the state of your company and the state of your product right now, I'm curious to know what you're expecting your first product to be, where you are with it, and what's the state of the company as it stands right now? Okay, the state of the company, I'll get to that first, is we have a pretty small team but we have a lot of high-powered experience behind that team. And we are getting into the final steps of kind of doing our public fundraiser. They're typically called, you know, initial crowd offering or initial coin offerings. We like to use the term digital asset offering or digital asset issuance, but we're not exactly sure when this is going to air. But as of March, we're inching closer to that, those kind of dates. When that happens... That's an ICO, right? That's what people typically call it an ICO. That's the abbreviation. Yes. And when we get to that point, then the company infrastructure that we have kind of set in place gets executed. So when that happens, you have the continual hiring of the team, which is currently underway. But the continual hiring of the team, the execution of the development of the product, starting the marketing campaigns, and all that. 
the current state of the product is is good. So there's five areas, and I mentioned it before, but there's the sending and receiving of funds. There's the buying and selling of cryptocurrency. There's the exchanging of cryptocurrency. There's the ICO or digital asset issuance okay. uh, investing. And there's custom uh, pooling to kind of organize funds for, for those digital asset issuance events. Okay. And we are a web application on the internet side. And then we'll also be doing iterative mobile releases for mobile phones. And we basically plan to kind of execute those software milestones and, and kind of in an order. And the first thing out is like the most basic thing. It's the wallet that's pretty much done. It's on the Ethereum testnet right now. And then you have the, the ICO platform or the digital asset issuance platform where other companies will actually come on and have their digital asset issuance event through CryptoCurve, the Curve wallet. And then we have the pooling. And so we get to do these like iterative releases and it gives us the freedom and flexibility to fine tune the company's software delivery methodologies to a point where, you know, we do the first one, we iron out what worked and didn't work in the first one. And then we put those principles towards the second piece and we get to build all this functionality kind of on top of each other like a sandwich. So the minimum product, I would, you know, you asked that, I would say the minimum product is basically starting out with the wallet that's kind of out there the wallet to buy not, so it's not to buy so the wallet would specifically be towards sending and receiving so like hey i have a place i can go to a place like coinbase for the time being i can buy a bitcoin or some ether and i can send that to my curve account i see and then we get to build in the other stuff which is happening now and when this airs it may even be released but we're building the other stuff like the the ICO platform for other companies to kind of come through and us host them. The, the pooling stuff is very mature. So we'll, we'll do these software releases, you know, methodically through the next year and a half. There's a final event on our roadmap as it stands now, but we'd like to have enough flexibility to where we can continually tweak and improve and provide functionality for users. There may be a problem in six months to a year that we don't know that it, you know exists yet. So as we move on and as we move forward, the company is going to build this product to be continually evolved to a point that constantly meets consumer needs. Yeah, you're a software engineer, right? Yeah. Well, was it your major? my major was in industrial systems. I originally, when I graduated, I got into, I joined a startup and did a lot of requirements and high-level architecture. And then I got into project management. And that's where I think a lot of this experience is beneficial. Love it. Okay, before I forget to ask, since we do have quite a lot of marketers listening to the Spiral Marketing Podcast, what's the marketing like for your space? There's two sort of intertwining strategies that usually have to happen and that we really want to champion. The first strategy is kind of marketing your, your fundraiser. And then there's the secondary as of now, which would become the primary strategy of marketing your product. And to be able to get to the point where you can successfully market your product, you have to have a successful fundraiser. Right. Get to the point where you can build your product, you have to have a successful fundraiser. So there's a, currently a lot of the marketing is through social media, and it's all typically revolved around the marketing of 
the digital asset issuance event or the ICO. What we want to really do is we want to bring cryptocurrency mainstream, and that's one of the visions of, of the product. We want to reach everybody. We want every single iPhone to come with a Curve wallet. And to get there, we would like to treat the Curve wallet as any other product that you may see that anyone else is trying to market. That's a unique thing because companies don't really have successful marketing campaigns right now. And I think we have some good experience on board to where you may be listening to the radio or watching the TV in a year and you'll see a Curve wallet commercial and it'll be a commonplace to you. You'll be familiar with the product. You'll know what it is. You'll know what it does. You know why it does what it does. So we're thinking, how do we execute this global marketing strategy for something that is really a global product because cryptocurrency blockchain is decentralized. Right. Yeah. You're not just going to so, put up a billboard. Right. So we will be going to, just like anybody else, we'll be going to marketing agencies. We'll be looking at hiring out third parties to help and, and kind of taking the first step of like being that that name brand, that cryptocurrency name brand, that's everyone knows what the Curve Wallet is. Without question, I think Crypto Curve and the Curve Wallet is going to have the biggest marketing budget of any cryptocurrency out there. It's not a very high bar because cryptocurrencies in general, they don't care about TV ads or you know radio ads and marketing to the general public. It's been very you know niche right. marketing in between people already knowledgeable about cryptocurrency and on social media, basically. But like John said, uh, we want to bring it to the people. We want TV ads. We've often said that for marketing, our end game is we want to be the first cryptocurrency company to have a Super Bowl ad. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Can we do a little bit of future projections? What do you think the future will look like and how fast do you think that this will move? I know you don't have a crystal ball per se, but if you had to take some guesses, how fast do you see this space moving? Pretty fast. And I think it's only really gaining velocity. It's a constant struggle all the time, every day to figure out what you need to do during that 24 hours to kind of move forward. Right. And that's just for us. It's just opportunity. So, yes. You know, the end consumer is kind of a moving target, not our ideal end consumer, but the end consumer has that, that is there right now. It's kind of a moving target. The technology is kind of a moving target. We're picking up all this velocity with our partnerships and stuff that's happening. So that's kind of a moving target. So it's only increasing in velocity. So it's getting faster. It's picking up steam. In a year, it's going to be more mainstream. And it's in a unique opportunity, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency is, is because it really is a global market. The whole point of it is that it is a global market. It's that it's decentralized. And there's nothing that has ever been like that before. You can look at maybe some commodities or some things like oil and stuff like that that are in global markets, but they're not advertised to like, you know, the everyday consumer in a way that a consumer-facing product would be. And so as this technology does pick up steam, due to the fact that it is a very large market, it's the largest market that's ever been marketable, it's going to be big and vast and the, the visions are going to be ambitious and hopefully we'll be on the forefront of that. When you start getting even further than that, it's hard to even say. I mean, there's use cases for blockchain that haven't even been thought of yet.
Is there anything that you're specifically excited about and that you're watching closely? I think one of the biggest milestones in terms of cryptocurrencies and blockchain is smart cities in the supply chain where, I mean, we Amazon and has already kind of moved in that direction. They're the first to even mention like an unmanned retail store. The use of blockchain would make that possible, better, faster, and cheaper wow. for all of these companies. And I think we're kind of moving into the space where all these companies and businesses realize how much money they could save and make by implementing uh, blockchain technology and getting rid of uh, middlemen and getting rid of those salaries and just letting the code do the work for them. We don't like large workforces. Don't take jobs away. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to Susanna's point, that's kind of like what I'm thinking too, is like just the the way that, that blockchain is going to be utilized to automate things in the future, it has a lot of like really cool benefits. And there's really, there's some really strong, specifically Asian companies that are doing a lot of that, that we're really excited about as just investors ourselves, not having anything to do with crypto curve. Interesting. Any that you care to mention? Yeah. I mean, we, we really love Walton Chain as just regular people. They have... Like their integration with RFID technology is just really supremely. I think it's going to be awesome. the first real worldwide realization of blockchain. Walton Chain. Yes. I'm speaking on unmanned. We probably be taking notes. Well, I want to make sure we're here properly. Mental. Hey Siri. They just announced that um, you know they uh, created a partnership with Chinese cafe in Chinese airports where it's going to be unmanned where uh, you're going to be able to go in get a cup of coffee in, at the airport and walk out and it'll automatically register the cup of coffee they'll pay for the cup of coffee and then just in terms of the time that it will save not only the company but the end user person who just wants a cup of coffee not interact with anyone and they have to take out their wallet pay with a credit card or cash I think they're that's tired of that. They need the coffee. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're so excited about supply chain and uh, smart cities and uh, in terms of real-world use of blockchain. They've announced that uh, yeah. they're building smart cities in China and wow. in Korea. And that, so would smart city, is that basically just mean everything is effectively unmanned? I don't know. Let's Not essentially unmanned, but it's tracked. I mean... Okay. Um, one of their focuses is in waste management, and waste management is, in terms of, uh, is billions of dollars of industry. But being able to track waste and where it goes, whether it's probably recycled or not, and it's a dirty job. Lots of people, especially in the in the U.S., have gotten rich off of waste management. Yeah, that's true. But being able to use the technology and actually improve the world, make it greener, make it safer, make it more environmentally friendly. I think it really demonstrates the potential of blockchain. And I think in terms of smart cities, in terms of supply chain, it's going to be the first real introduction into blockchain for most people. And the encounter, hey, I'm at an airport and I, I can walk out with a cup of coffee and um, it's all automatically done through some kind of mechanism, whether it be it's a phone or a phone app. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As, uh, it's quite a fantastic dream, isn't it? Yes. And, yeah, and even even going past like supply chain and logistics, it's there's 
you essentially have an ever-increasing database and how that database could potentially store information or utilize information. I mean, the impacts that blockchain could have on like quantum computing and just AI, like all of that stuff, at least my opinion that blockchain is going to be a huge part of that. As long as there is a backend, you know, hardware infrastructure to support the software pieces that are moving around, you're essentially just looking at if you can introduce like decision-making using a blockchain. And so this kind of gets into two, like some blockchain applications will not be purely financial. They're already not purely financial. If you strip away the financial aspects of the blockchain, you essentially just have this this monster database that has permanent records. And any good examples it's, it's that one organic, a little bit more public facing or not necessarily yet? I don't even know if any, I mean, the, the quick example, like, you know, just off the top of my head, that's not really getting at what I was saying, but you were talking about voting before. Yes. So it doesn't have anything to do with like financial decision making or anything like that or financial transaction execution. But that voting thing is a permanent record and it's a growing record and there, there is no fraud. There is no, and that is a really good application for blockchain. And when you go beyond that and you start getting really forward thinking, an ever-increasing database that has a permanent history of information inside of it that organically grows itself. Right. I mean, the applications are endless. Absolutely. We were talking about this and something that came to mind is that it almost feels like the constitution should be written in blockchain where you can track every change, every amendment, and then see where things went wrong and correct it. It's really beautiful. Do you have any other resources that you would mention to listeners? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, Reddit is a really, really good one. There's a lot of stuff that you kind of have to look out for and not pay attention to. Like things, because there's so much wealth and new wealth in the space, there is a lot of manipulation. Manipulation and... and, uh, Bad market. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, hey... We've seen so much stuff on Forbes now that it's like, it seems like every article on Forbes about cryptocurrency is just because somebody paid somebody to put it there. And a source like Reddit, that's like more peer to peer, will have a lot more, I think, honesty. Very cool. Any thought leaders that you'd suggest taking a look at? No, I mean, a lot of it's just like influencers on on YouTube. There's there's some, I don't, I don't want to mention anybody by name, but there are some cryptocurrency influencers on YouTube that you can go and you can research and you can look at. You just have to be, we're still in that infancy stage where there's a lot of potential downside to just going out and reading what's popular. So you really have to think critically about the applications that people are introducing to the blockchain and think about how useful applications like that really are. Is it solving a problem? Like, is this company solving a problem? Does this company have experience? Would I want to work for this company? What I want to use the product, things like that are really good because then you can stand on your own judgment. You're not relying on someone else's, but then you can say like, no, this is a great idea. I can see the value here and this makes sense. So a lot of it is, is unfortunately you want to do your own research and do focus on more peer to peer information sources. Perfect. All right. Do you have an ask for the listeners? Yeah, I would ask that, shameless plug here, but I would ask if you've enjoyed listening to us to think about what the learning curve is like for cryptocurrency. I'm assuming that a lot of your audiences, you know, may not be as obviously as familiar with it as we are. Yeah, think about what the learning curve into cryptocurrency is for you and think about what cryptocurrency means to the world and, and what blockchain means to the world. And the second ask is to come talk to us about it. 
on our social media platforms. We're highly active on Telegram. So come join us on Telegram and, and let's spur some discussion. Well, that's a good segue for the last question. Oh. Very good segue. <laughs> Where should the audience go to learn more about you and to reach you? The easiest thing to do is to go to our website at cryptocurve.io, C-R-Y-P-T-O. C-U-R-V-E.io and all of our social media links are, are on there. So CryptoCurve.io. Beautiful. High five. High five. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you, guys. Josh, Sander, pleasure. And thanks for watching and listening to the Spiral Marketing Podcast. We will have all reference links and materials referenced at SpiralMarketing.com on the show notes page for CryptoCurve. And you can click that right here. <laughs> <laughs> we got to make that for the